This message is brought to you by Living Faith Church. You can find us on the web at livingbyfaith.com. So I'm a little choked up because of Pastor JR. I just love that dude. <laughs> um, I had the privilege of working with him for the last three or four years, and I'm the one he spent five days a week with and uh, <laughs> with a lot of hours together. And he's just taught me so much, you know, all the way from how to use a screw gun to how to use a hammer uh, to how to use a tape measure, <laughs> to how not to be hard on myself, to not punish myself. Um, he actually ended up marrying my wife and I, Jackie, and uh, that was a big deal. I had came back from deployment and we were doing relationship counseling and uh, there was something very important we needed to do. And Pastor JR said, uh, if you guys are ready this year, we'll marry, I'll marry you so you can move on with this very important process. And he just took the step to do that. And uh, just to confess, I felt so bad. I didn't know you had to give a gift to your pastor after they, uh, <laughs> after they marry you. You know, I didn't know that was the custom. I was like, you're such a good friend for marrying, you know, for <laughs> driving so far to marry us and spending all this time and uh, but I feel like I made up the time with conversation and spending time with him so now that I shared it I feel pretty free so thank you guys for listening to me um but just to let you know this principle that I want to teach you guys is something that I've just been living and it's something that I really needed to step into because I, I have all the responsibilities that Pastor JR has. And uh, I'm a size 10. I think he's a size 15. So they're pretty big shoes to fill. And uh, But leaning into this principle that I'm going to share with you guys has really helped me transition into this moment. So if there's anything that you guys are struggling with, anything that you're having trouble with, I'm, I'm praying. My prayer for you guys is that this principle touches your life. That this principle is like, my boss just left. One of my supervisors just left. How, am, how in the world am I going to do all of these things? And then you turn to this principle and it starts a conversation with Father God. It's not a formula. It's just an invitation for you to talk to Father God. Is that okay? Okay, perfect. So I just want to read Psalms 100. I think I just need it. It's really good. It says, make a joyful shout. Come on. Yay, so good. You know who that was to? It was to the Lord. <laughs> Come on. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. Did we sing today? Do you feel like his presence is here? Come on. Do you know this part? Know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who has made us and not we ourselves. Isn't that good? Yay. So if you have any problem against your parents, just forgive them. Let them go right now because they didn't create you. It was Father God. Amen. Amen. Oh, that's really good. I like that. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Are you God's people? Yes. Come on. If he lives inside of you, you're considered his sheep and you're part of his pasture. I love this part. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful to him and bless his name for the Lord is good. Is he not good? His mercy is everlasting and his truth endures to all generations. So it doesn't matter how old you are, his mercy is everlasting. So the, the, the way I want to intro this verse is close your eyes and I want you to feel his presence because you guys just spoke openly that his presence is here. So I want you to shift your attention towards his presence, towards his mercy, towards his goodness. Regardless of what you weak look like, regardless of what your car ride looked like coming in here, I want you to just Feel what his mercy looks like. So you're going to say, Father God, what does your mercy feel like? And the first thing you get that's good, that's full of life, I promise you the devil doesn't want to show you mercy. So if you have a negative thought, that's not him. 
but it said that we are his sheep and he loves us. He created us, so he wants to communicate to us. He knows exactly how to communicate to you. So whether it's a thought, whether it's a feeling, whether you smell him or hear him, just feel his mercy right now. <clears throat> and I just felt like the, the room felt so much lighter. <sighs> yeah, I just want to get this word to you right now, that, this prophetic word, that you, you, you came here holding something and God wants you to hold his mercy. Not that thing that you were holding on to. Yeah. So you're free right now in the name of Jesus. Mm. Amen. Okay, so um, there's this beautiful story. I, I just want to protect this person because she's very dear to my heart. And, uh, but if you're smart enough and you catch the story, good for you. Um, but I just want to share this story because ever since I was 17 and met God, all he does is paint pictures for me in the natural of what he did in my heart because he just wants to relate to me. He just wants to come and be like, this is what I've done for you. Do you know me a little better? Does he do that with you guys? So this is the story. Um, There's this beautiful lady who uh, wasn't born here in the United States. So that means that she's not a citizen. That's amazing. But she ended up marrying this very handsome man that is a citizen. And uh, they started the process of getting her citizenship. You guys still with me? So what ended up happening was this handsome man uh, made a very powerful decision to join the military, and he didn't shower for a couple months because of the military, bled quite a bit, cried quite a bit, prayed quite a bit, and was away from his family quite a bit. Ended up doing a deployment, and it was really tough, right? Can we say that he probably paid some kind of sacrifice there? You guys in agreement? Okay, perfect. So what ended up happening was uh, the young man came back, ended up getting married that year, and they started this process of the citizenship. And they tried so many different ways uh, over six, seven years of trying to get the citizenship. Everybody said, it's easy. Don't worry about it. It was the most complicated thing that ever happened. It'll turn from one form to 50 forms. One form turns into a thousand forms and they got to keep getting filled up. And for every form that you submit, guess what you have to write? Yes, you have to write a check for everything that you do. So this starts to accumulate quite a bit of debt, right? So at this point, they felt like there's no options. They're like, they have no idea what to do. Started praying to God. And someone told them about this new law that was created specifically for them. (laughs) And the law was this. If this person is married to a veteran who is also a citizen, then they're allowed to go through a completely different process. Isn't that good? Because there was a price that was paid, right? So it was so simple. They called the lawyer and the lawyer was like, this is all you have to do. You just have to go down the street, pretty much down the highway. And you end up coming to this embassy, walk in there. They're going to have all your information. So they come in there. The husband is so nervous because they have no idea what they're going to ask. They think he's going to get deported. Uh, The minute he goes in there and sees these security guards, they walk through the gates. They go all the way upstairs. The front lady was not the nicest lady. She needed a little bit of Jesus. Um, And then she literally said, hmm. And that means go sit down right there. <laughs> so they sit down together and uh, they start calling out names. You know, you're in a place full of immigrants when they have 12 different names. So they'll literally be like, Rafael Garde Gutierrez Lemus. That is actually my legal name. And uh, but it wasn't me. I wasn't in that room. So what happened is they'll call all these people. And, uh, and the, the, supposedly the story is that the wife felt fine. She felt confident because she knew she was in covenant with this mighty man. But the mighty man was nervous. They were like, what are they going to ask? They're going to bring up the past. They're going to bring up any little mistake that could have happened. They're going to talk about the way they entered in. Was it legal? Was it illegal? So there's a lot of thoughts going on. 
Then the agent walks in and the agent was like, called out the name and the beautiful lady stood up, walked to the agent, had this big folder full of all of her information. She actually knew the lady better than the lady knew herself. And the agent comes and says, do you speak English? And before the young lady could even say a word, she said, of course you do. You've been here your whole life. I know this process has been hard, but here's your golden ticket and took out this card had her information on it with a cute little picture and gave it to her. And then they walked out. And as they walked out, they didn't know what they actually had in their hand. And so they came to somebody that knows the law. And all of a sudden there's a lawyer in the elevator and he's just, for whatever reason, he's going out. He said he was gonna wait for his client inside, ends up going down. And as they're in the, in the elevator, she was so brave and asked the question. How many of you guys ask questions? It's really good when you ask questions to Father God. He wants to listen to you. So she asked this question and said, I don't really know what I have. This is a big deal, right? <laughs> and the guy was like, you don't understand. Like, this is Willy Wonka world right now. This is, you have the golden ticket. You have the golden goose. This is as good as if you flew all the way to your country, paid for a ticket, stayed there a couple of days, and then flew back, went through customs, got picked up at Dulles by Pastor JR and his rifle, and then... <laughs> walk through the gates legally. That's what that card means. And as they hit the bottom of the elevator, the husband just didn't understand it. They were like, how does this piece of paper, what does this mean? Like, what is this piece of paper? And the lawyer, and the, the lawyer that was there said, in the eyes of the United States government, your past doesn't matter. This is the only part that matters right now. This ticket, this card that was paid on behalf of somebody else's sacrifice cancels anything that could have happened in your past. Do you, are you guys catching what, what I'm trying to say? Does that sound familiar? Does that sound like a person that came innocently and died on the cross for us and said, I'm here to cancel all of your sins <laughs> and here's the golden ticket. <laughs> it is for you. But are you like the husband that goes, but I have a past. This makes no sense. But in the, it doesn't matter. In the eyes of the United States government, in the eyes of the law, in the eyes of a judge, the one that sits on that throne, they said, this is the only thing that I see. Why do you keep bringing up the past? And that's the picture that God pointed for me when it came to righteousness, when it came to grace, really when it came to Colossians 1. So if you have your Bibles out, take it out. Your phones count as well. I just love a good old Bible. We're going to be in Colossians 1. We're going to read quite a bit of scripture because now you have a picture of what Colossians 1 could look like. Okay, good. But you guys understand, right? That was Jesus who paid the ultimate price for you. Okay, good. Perfect. All right, here we go. Colossians 1. You ready? I'm going to read real fast as a New King James Version. It is Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God and Timothy, our brother, to the saints and faithful brethren in Christ who are in Colossae. I like to make it personal. I say living faith or I say in Rafa's heart. Grace to you and peace from God, our Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ. We give thanks to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, praying always for you since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus. Do you guys have faith in Christ Jesus? And of your love for all the saints. Guess who all the saints are? Anybody that belongs to Christ. It actually means holy and blameless without fault. 
Do you consider yourself a saint or are you looking at your past? Verse five, because of the hope which is laid upon for you in heaven, of which you heard before in the word of the truth of the gospel, which has come to you. Do you feel like the gospel has come to you? As it has also in all the world and is bringing forth fruit. That's a good question. Are you having fruit in your life? As it also among you since the day you heard and knew the grace of God and truth. As you also learn from, I just say Living Faith Church, our dear fellow servant who is a faithful minister of Christ on our behalf, who also declared to us your love in the spirit. Verse nine, for this reason, for this reason right here, for the gospel, we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding. Verse 10, that you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing him, being fruitful in every good work. Are you having fruit in every good work that you do? And increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all might according to his glorious power for all patience and long suffering with joy giving thanks to the father who has qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light. Who qualified you to receive that golden ticket? It wasn't you. (laughs) 13, he has delivered us from the power of darkness. Come on, I need a big shout for that one. Come on, he has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of the son of his love in whom we have redemption. Say I have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, forgiveness of your past. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For by him, all things were created that are in heaven and that are on earth, visible and invisible. Say invisible. That's the spirit realm. Whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. Real quick, principalities, I always thought were only demons. Principalities are actually angels and demons. It's anything that's in the spirit realm. You guys good? That's an important part right here. All things were created through him and for him. 17, and he is before all things and in him all things consist. And he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead. And in all things, he may have the preeminent, I've been practicing all day with that word. Yeah, that for me. Thank you. It actually means to be the first person to hold your heart. The first person on your list. The first person to sit on your throne. Is Christ the first person that you speak to? Or is it your wife or your husband or Twitter? Okay, all right, just a question. Don't, don't feel bad. Mercy. <laughs> Say, yell mercy. 19, for it pleased the Father. Oh, God was so pleased that you have this golden ticket. In him, all the fullness should dwell. And by him to reconcile all things to himself by him, whether things on earth or things in heaven, having made peace through the blood of his cross. And you, say me who once were alienated and enemies in your mind. What is your mind? Come on, it's your heart. We've been doing this for like two years now. It's your spirit. By wicked words, yet now he has reconciled in the body of his flesh through death to present you, what is this? Holy, yeah, holy and blameless and above reproach to his sight. You know another word for all that? Saint, you're a saint. Another word for uh, reproach is not open to blame or disapproval. How many of you guys are struggling with disapproval from God? How many of you guys are struggling with disapproval from people? How many of you guys are pursuing somebody else's approval? Well, what about God? (laughs) He's saying that he's very pleased with you. He gave you this golden ticket, not because of what you done while he was in the hole dead for three days and resurrected. That was the price that he paid so he can say, I approve of you. 
23, if indeed you continue in the faith, grounded and steadfast, and are not moved away from the hope of the gospel which you heard, which was preached to every creature under heaven, of which I, Paul, became a minister, I now rejoice in my suffering for you and fill up in my flesh what is lacking the affliction of Christ for the sake of his body, which is the church, of which I became a minister according to the stewardship from God, which was given to me for you to fulfill the word of God. Okay, if you blanked out on that, that's totally fine. I normally do. 26 is where I need you to bring your attention back. Are you ready? Yeah. And underline this word. If you have a pen, underline this word. If you're cool and you have a highlighter, underline this word. The mystery. Yeah, mystery. The mystery which has been hidden from ages and from generations, but now has been revealed to his saints. Are you guys his saints? Yeah. So that means there's a mystery which has been revealed to you, but it's been revealed through who? Through Jesus that lives in you. I want to keep going because there's just like so much in here, like the fullness of God. Pretty much what I wanted to hit when it came to Colossians 1 was painting a picture of what happens when you have this golden ticket inside of you. You have everything that's in Colossians 1, 2, and 3. I mean, really, you have the whole Bible, but the fullness of Christ, the fullness of God, the fullness that has authority over angels and demons lives inside of you. The presence of God lives inside of you. And it's a mystery, not to you, it's a mystery to who? To who? I know, that was my question this whole time. I was like, who is this mystery for if it's been revealed to us? And so I started asking questions because I'm a son and not an orphan. So I said, Father God. It said, use my faith, which just means I have a conversation with God. I let him speak to me. So I said, Father God, if you have revealed this mystery to me, it's no longer a mystery. So who's the mystery for? And I heard him say, good job, my beloved son and whom I love very well. I have an answer for you. Are you willing to wait for it? Are you willing for me to let you paint this picture? And I said, absolutely, Lordy, I'm ready. Take as long as you want. No, I cried. I was mad. I said, God, hurry up, please. I need to know right now. I have a teaching coming up. I got shoes to fill. I got, I got, I got dishes to wash. I got stuff to cook. Got finances to do, Lord. And he said, okay, good. I just want to know where, if your heart was ready. And he came and he said, the mystery wasn't for you. The mystery is about the angels and the demons. The mystery is about the principalities of the world. The mystery is about the things in the spirit realm. The things in the spirit realm don't understand this relationship that we have with Father God. No? Okay, so, so it's very important because this, this is very powerful. Because they can see the fullness of God in all his glory. To them, he is visible. The invisible realm is so real to them. It is their reality. So they see God in all his power and all his glory but they can only see him as Lord and they can only see him as King. The mystery is why would this almighty Lord and King want to be friends with me? Why would this mighty Lord and King pay a sacrifice for me? Why would this almighty Lord and King with all his power pursue me and call me friend and call me his bride? Call me his lover. <laughs> Come and hug me. Come and talk to me. This is the best part. This is the questions that I just haven't, uh, that God was showing me. They don't understand how we have free will to rebel against God. He shows up and we say, I don't want to talk to you. I want to do this instead. 
and God keeps pursuing us. They don't understand. It's a mystery to them because they can only see him as Lord and King. They can never know Jesus as Savior. Okay, when I first read that, it blew my heart up. I was like, God is not a boring God. I have this almighty God in the fullness of God. Colossians 1 is what we read. I have all of that inside of me. And what am I doing with it? Am I letting fear dominate that instead? And so he started painting this other picture and he actually took me to the book of Jonah and because of time, I have to summarize it. Okay, let me just read a little bit of it. Is that okay? Because he took me to the book of Jonah. Remember, God paints pictures for me. So God was like, do you want to see a picture of my presence pursuing you? The mystery that these angels don't understand. Jonah is a beautiful illustration of God pursuing someone who wants to rebel. Anybody ever read the book of Jonah? Anybody watch Superbook with the kids back there? Okay, it doesn't do justice. You got to read it by yourself, okay? Are you ready? So we're going to go to Jonah chapter 1. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah. And then there's other names, but stay focused with me. There's one name I want you to underline. Are you ready? Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh. Underline Nineveh. Ask me, how come Nineveh is so important? Thank you. I love you so much. Thank you. So Nineveh is so important because Nineveh for generations and generations and generations have showed no mercy to Israel, Jonah's people. Nineveh was responsible for such a big setback in Israel's lineage that it's ridiculous. For generations, that means that Jonah's grandpa was probably a slave. His great-great-grandpa was probably a slave. His great-great-great-great-grandpa was a slave. That's how long Nineveh oppressed Jonah's people. And God is saying, what is he saying? He says, that great city and cry out against me for the wickedness has come before me. But Jonah arose to flee from the presence of the Lord, the mystery. He's running away from the presence of the Lord. And he went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarp. Tarshish, so he paid the fare and went down into it to go with them to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. So he's running away from the presence of the Lord. And I just kept thinking, like, why is he running away from the presence of the Lord? What is it that God wants to do with these people? Because I'm sure if God said, I want to punish them, Jonah would have been like fire and lightning. Let's strike these people. Let's do it. It sounds like God wants to forgive these people. Let me, let me make it more personal. It sounds like God wants Jonah to love his neighbor and love his enemy. Has God ever asked you to do that? How many of you guys fled from the presence of God? You know how you flee from it? Hey, can you talk to this person? No. What did you just do? You just bought yourself a fare and you went to go head in the darkest part of this boat. Are you guys mad at me? Because there's mercy here. But let me show you what God does. But the Lord, say, but the Lord, send out a great wind on the sea. Does that not sound like God's presence? I don't know. This is the, again, painting pictures for me. This is what God did. God came and he said, I am this almighty God. My presence is coming after Jonah. I'm a spirit realm being. So when I touch earth, when heaven touches earth, we were singing about that. What happens when this almighty, powerful God touches earth? What happens? Something has to happen. What happens when he touches the sea? Is there not a manifestation of his presence? I used to read this without my golden ticket lenses 
without understanding the presence of, I mean, uh, the price that was paid from God, Colossians 1 and 2, and I said, oh, God's trying to punish Jonah because he was disobedient. No, he rebelled, and in the mystery, God said, I am going to hit you with my presence so hard, Jonah. I am coming after you because that's who I am. I'm the God that never forsakes generations after generations. Yeah? I know, it got me so excited because it's like you, you rebel from God. Let me tell you what, this is grace right here because grace is supposed to transform you. Grace doesn't mean I run away from God, I hide and I do nothing with my life. You haven't met grace. If you have met grace, you would meet his presence and something would be completely different. You're, 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 you're entertaining something that isn't God. You're saying, God, I'll talk to you later. No, 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 it's God. Meet me with your presence and transform me, make me different. Still with me? But the Lord sent out a great wind out to the sea and there was a mighty tempest in the sea so that the ship was about to be broken up. That's so good because the thing that you go and you hide in, when the presence of God comes, guess what he does? He breaks down the thing that you are trying to hide behind. Let's talk about shame. Is that a boat that you're in? Let's talk about anger. Is that something that you're in? Well, when God's presence comes, he comes like a mighty tempest wave. Tempest means this raging wave, this over, like a tsunami of a wave. And he's not coming to punish you. He's coming to destroy the thing that's separating you from him. I love this. Then the mariners were afraid and every man cried out to his God and threw the cargo that was in the ship into the sea to lighten the load. But Jonah had gone down into the lowest parts of the ship and lain down and was fast asleep. So the captain came to him and said to him, what do you mean, sleeper? Arise, call on your God. That's me telling you, call on your God. Perhaps your God will consider us so that we may not perish. You know, other people perish when you don't let God come into your life and change you and you're obedient. God's not just saying, do this because it'll make me feel good. He's saying, I have a purpose for this person at Wingstop. I need you to go in there and bring my mighty tempest wind. Bring my power and change this person's life forever. I have a purpose. Y'all don't eat wing stop? Seven. And then they said to one another, come, let us cast lots that we may know for whose cause this trouble has come upon us. So they cast lots and the lot fell on Jonah. And if you guys ever feel like God keeps finding me somehow, This feels like a coincidence. No, this is God's presence and he's coming after you no matter what. Eight, then they said to him, please tell us for whose cause is the trouble upon us? What is your occupation and where do you come from? What is your country and of what people are you? I want you to, I want you to really think about that when people ask you now, what is your occupation? Oh, I'm a computer dude. I do finances. No, no, you should, you should be responding with this. So he said to them, I am a Hebrew. I am a saint of God. And I fear, another word for fear is respect. I respect the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. 10, that bless you. Then the man were exceedingly afraid and said to him, why have you done this? For the man knew that he fled from the presence of the Lord because he had told them. Then they said to him, what shall we do? to you that the sea may be calm for us, for the sea was growing more tempest. 12, and he said to them, pick me up and throw me into the sea. Pick me up and throw me into the presence of the Lord. Then the sea will become calm for you, for I know that this great tempest is because of me. 
Nevertheless, the men rode hard to return to land, but they could not. For the sea continued to grow more tempest against them. And there's something beautiful there where it's like people are waiting for you to come into the presence of God and they don't know what to do because they don't have the golden ticket. So they're trying to figure out things on their own, doing their own natural things. Back to the spirit realm and the natural realm, they're doing natural things, but they're waiting for you and your spiritual part where you connect with the presence of the Lord that was pursuing you from the beginning. Did you guys catch that? All right, 14, therefore they cried out against, uh, therefore they cried out to the Lord and said, we pray, O Lord, please do not let us perish for this man's life and do not charge us with innocent blood for you, O Lord, have done as it pleased you. So they picked up Jonah and threw him into the sea and the sea ceased from its raging. Then the man feared the Lord exceedingly and offered a sacrifice to the Lord and took vows. What do you think their vows were for? I always thought about that. I'm like, did they convert? Did they actually meet with the living God? And it's funny because they met with the living God after Jonah fell into the presence of God. So there's something that changes your environment when you fall into the presence of God. Does it make other people respect the Lord (laughs) and maybe get their own golden ticket? Just God painting pictures for me. 17, now the Lord had prepared a great fish to swallow Jonah And Jonah was in the belly of the fish for three days and three nights. Kind of sounds familiar. Sounds like Jesus. Um, But I love the fish part because God isn't respecter of man. So he can show up with his presence in whatever way he wants. Showing up like the wind, showing up like the sea. All of a sudden he's showing up like this fish. And he said, I'm going to engulf you. We're going to be together. We're going to wait on the Lord together. We're going to wait together for three days. I'm going to incubate you for three days and three nights. And we'll, we'll skip the little psalm that they do because I have five minutes left. Ah, Just let me read this one part because it's really beautiful. Let's go to uh, five. Can we go to five? <clears throat> Everybody okay? Are you guys bored? Okay. The water surrounded me, even to my soul. The deep closed around me. Weeds were wrapped around my head. I went down to the maroons of the mountain, the earth with its bars closed behind me forever. Yet you have brought me up to life from the pit. O Lord, my God. When my soul fainted within me, I remember of the Lord and my prayer went up to you into your holy temple. And that word holy temple is God's presence. (laughs) Those who regard worthless idols forsake your mercy, but I will sacrifice to you with the voice of thanksgiving. Does that sound like a psalm? I will pay what I have vowed. Salvation is of the Lord. So the Lord spoke to the fish and it vomited Jonah onto dry land. Guess where the dry land was? Guess where God's presence took Jonah? Let me tell you, where where do we start in chapter one? Yes, you remember the name. I couldn't remember the name. He came to love his neighbor. He said, in my presence, I'm going to take you exactly where you need to go, exactly where you need to be. And it's way better than the old ship that you used to use. And he ends up on dry land. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time saying, arise, go to love your neighbor, that great city and preach to it the message that I tell you. So Jonah arose and went to love his neighbor according to the word of the Lord. Now, loving his neighbor was an exceedingly great city, a three-day journey in extent. And Jonah began to enter the city on the first day's walk. Come on, he took one step. Then he cried out and said, yet 40 days and Nineveh shall be overthrown. So then the people of Nineveh believed God, proclaimed the fast and put a sackcloth on from the greatest to the least of them. And there's actually, in another version, it says from the lowest cattle all the way to the king. They started to repent. 
They started to turn towards God. He took one step in that place, spoke one word, and all the way from the lowest cattle to the highest king, they started to confess God. See what happens when we're in the presence of God? Oh, then word came to the king of Nineveh and he arose from his throne and laid aside his robe, covered himself with sackcloth and sat in ashes. And he caused it to be proclaimed and published through Nineveh by the decree of the king and his nobles, saying, let neither man nor beast, herd nor flock, taste anything. Do not let them eat or drink water, but let man and beast be covered with sackcloth and cry mightily to God. Yes, let everyone turn from his evil ways. Come on. And from the violence that is in his hands. Who can tell if God will turn and relent and turn away from his fierce anger so that we may not perish? Then God saw their works, that they turned from their evil way, and God relented from the disaster that he had said he would bring upon them, and he did not. Does that sound like mercy? We're almost done, last chapter. But it displeased Jonah. <laughs> Jonah, rebelling again, running away from the presence of God exceedingly, and he became angry. How come he became angry? Just hold on to that question. So he prayed to the Lord and said, ah, Lord, was not this what I said when I was still in my country? Therefore, I fled previously to Tarish, for I knew, for I know that you are a gracious and merciful God, slow to anger and abundant in loving kindness. Loving kindness means loyal love for his creation. One who relents from doing harm. Chapter three, verse three, therefore now, O Lord, please take my life from me, for it is better for me to die than to live. Then the Lord said, is it right for you to be angry? How come he's asking him that question? So Jonah went out of the city and sat on the east side of the city. There he made himself a shelter and sat under it in the shade so he, he might see what would become of the city. And the Lord God, this part's very important, six, and the Lord God prepared a plant and made it come up over Jonah. Would you say he created that plant? God created that plant yeah. with his hands? Beautiful. That it might be shade for his head to deliver him from his misery. So Jonah was very grateful for the plant. <laughs> but as morning dawned the next day, this part really confused me, okay? But stay with me. But as morning dawned the next day, God prepared a worm. And so it damaged the plant that it withered. And it happened when the sun arose. So the next day that God prepared a vehement east wind and the sun beat on Jonah's head so that he grew faint. Then he wished for death for himself and said, it is better for me to die than to live. This is the part I really want you to focus on nine. Then God said to Jonah, is it right for you to be angry about the plant? And he said, it is right for me to be angry even to death. But the Lord said, you have had pity on the plant. So you had love on the plant for which you have not labored nor made it grow, which I created, which came up at night and perished in the night. And should I not pity your neighbor? That great city in which are more than 120,000 persons who cannot discern between their right hand and their left hand and much livestock. So I read that and I was like, okay, God, you got to explain this to me, bro, because I, I read stuff that was really sad to me. So what is this? And God said, I was showing Jonah what he always had the capacity to do. Jonah was sad, not because of the sun. He was sad because something that God created got killed. Still with me? Yep. The thing that God created died and Jonah became very grieved to the point of death. Would you say that Jonah loved the things that God created? Do you think Jonah had the same capacity to love his neighbor? Okay, so this is where the principle comes in. I came and I told God, I said, I said God, what's the point of this? And he said, you never really know what your capacity is. 
I actually wanted Jonah to be in the city, and I told Jonah not, I didn't tell Jonah to repent. He was going to live there better than a king. In the place that was causing him so much pain for generations, he was able to become a conqueror of that place and live there as a king with the presence of the Lord. But he didn't know what God already created him with. He didn't know what the presence would do inside of him. He didn't know that there was a higher capacity inside of him to love these people. And it wasn't until he met this plant that God created that God said, you always had this capacity inside of you. You chose not to lean into it. You chose to go back to the beach and be lonely. But yet I let my wind come. I wanted my presence to come again to get you again, because it's a mystery of why God keeps pursuing Jonah after he rebels and ends up wanting to be alone. Are you guys still with me? So I ended up doing that and I was like, God, that's really good. I love this whole high capacity thing. And, and I was like, I love that. Like you put something inside of me, but I need your presence to come to pull it out of me so I can do something here in the natural realm. Because if your presence is inside of me and seas rise up and fishes come and the, and the desert comes with heat and, 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 and your presence just manifests and your presence turns people to repent because of your goodness, why would I be on the beach? <laughs> why would I be there alone, sad, if I have this greater thing inside of me? And my prayer was this, God, don't let me be on my deathbed (laughs) having a Jonah moment. I don't want that, God. And he said, you're praying the wrong prayer, Rafa. (laughs) He's saying, he told me this. He said, "You you don't need that prayer. You need to pray, God, don't let every decision that I make be a Jonah moment. Don't let every decision, every interaction I have with people, every opportunity I have, do not let that be a Jonah moment, God. Remind me of what you put inside of me, God. Remind me of your presence. Remind me of the sacred, the sacrifice that you paid, the capacity that I have to love my neighbor. Remind me, God. Don't let me be like Jonah on the beach alone. Let your presence come and take me. Does that make sense? Okay, and it's changed my life with that high capacity thing. You, example, Pastor Yard said, I'm retiring. I said, I am lost. I don't have 33 years of experience. I have two days of experience. And God said, you're leaning to your capacity. <laughs> what if my presence comes and I show you what you have inside of you? And I said, Lord, I am willing to wait and let your presence hit me like a sea, like a fish, like a plant. Like the desert winds hit me, God. Manifest your presence on earth for me, inside of me. And then immediately he said, these are the people you need to talk to. And talk to Pastor Gavin. You need to talk to Pastor Leslie. And you need to talk to Pastor JR because he's leaving you. And I was able to come to this place in such a high capacity that I wasn't afraid of what was going to happen. I wasn't afraid of the boat. I wasn't trying to see it from fear. I saw it from the principles that they were trying to teach me. And they're like, Rafa, you just need to be organized. And I said, God, but I'm not smart enough to be organized. And he said, there you go, leaning into your lower capacity again. Lean into me. Sit down with me. Get your calendar out here. Miss Heather ordered you calendars. There's a whole job description for you. Take time to meet with me. And now my whole year is planned out. And I know exactly to the day of what needs to be accomplished. It's, that's an example, right? Here in, 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 in from, from the examples is my boss left. I have to fill his shoes, but it's not on me. It's on God's higher capacity. Okay, last one, and then I'll let you guys go. It's, I went to Wingstop, and I am tired, I'm exhausted, I had to organize all day, I have no capacity, I had to talk to people, marriage counseling, all this fun stuff, right? And I just want my 
$16 wings, you know? And so I walk into Wingstop and it's all about me. And God was like, are you having a Jonah moment? And I said, yes, Lord, I am. Can you let me go? And he said, no, because it's a mystery that I keep pursuing you. And the angels keep bugging me saying, what are you going to do with Rafa? And I said, God, I'm willing to do it. And I look like a gangbanger. I have like my tank top on. I just look like a bum, right? So I go in there and I'm like, God, I look like a bum. I can't do this. And he's like, there's your lower capacity again. And it was thought after thought. And I go in there and these little kids are in front of me. And I'm like, God, please don't tell me I got to pay for their food. Like I'm on a budget. You know what I'm trying to do? And, uh, and the kids look at me and I was like I'm not there <laughs> and the kids were like you know they just needed five dollars and I was like those are my five dollars Lord and uh and the kids were like oh I got Apple Pay and they did their thing and I said no Jonah moment today Lord here we go we're gonna get our wings and the kid comes and he sighs and you know those kind of sighs <sighs> I said God I just want my chicken wings and I said all right what's wrong what's wrong with you today and I was, I'm leading to your capacity, God. You're going to do something. Your presence is here. Come on, do your thing. And, uh, and the guy was like, none of your business. And in my heart, my flesh was like, who are you talking to? Like, I would jump over this counter, take my chicken wings and leave. I paid for them. And God was like, there's your Jonah moment. And I said, what's going on? And he says, none of your business. And God was like, he's waiting to see if you care about him. More than the chicken wings. And I said, hey, I care about you. What is it? Is it a job? And then I started getting, God's presence came, started getting some prophetic words. And I said, is it your job? Is your dad? And he said, how do you know? And I said, oh, I'm just trying not to have a Jonah moment. You're not going to understand. And I was like, but there's a God that loves you. And he told me to come here and talk to you while I want my wings. But he loves you so much. He wants to be your father. And he said, my dad and I are going, he keeps demoralizing me. He keeps telling me that I'm not a man. He's saying, when are you ever going to leave? When are you actually going to pick a career? And he starts to sob and I'm at Wingstop and I'm looking around to make sure there's nobody else coming to ruin my Jonah moment because I'm here in Nineveh loving my neighbor. And I come and, 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 and the Wingstop guy starts crying and I'm like, what do you want to, you want to do trade, don't you? And he said, how do you know? And I'm like, there's a God, the real father that loves you more than your earthly father right now. You want to be a plumber, don't you? And he said, how do you know? And I said, again, there's a God that loves you. And he said, I want to be a plumber. And I said, what is your plan? He said, I don't know a plan. I was like, you're lacking confidence, but there's a God that can give you confidence because he gave me confidence to speak to you. And he said, okay, started to cry. And I said, um, I'm going to tell you a principle that was taught to me when I didn't have a father by my, my father that God gave me. And, and he said this, this is the principle that he said to me. He said, in, in a normal world, the father's supposed to take care of you. But right now we live in this natural world where it's messed up and things happen to him. So his value system's done. But what kind of father do you want to have? And the only way to do that is to create deposits into his father, into your father. So every day with my dad, I would tell him that I love him, knowing that he would reject me and never say it. But I lean into this higher capacity, which is God, that says you tell him that you love him because your value doesn't come from him. It comes from me. And so I would go every day and tell my dad, I love you. I love you. I love you. I'm going here. I'm going there. And then a year later, my dad comes and he's like, I love you. And I was like, my million dollars, I cashed out. Don't mess this up. And I left. So then I come and I bring that principle and I tell the kid, I was like, what kind of father do you want? You have an opportunity to reach into something higher than you and make deposits into your father's life. But the only way you can do that is if you know Father God. Do you want to know him? 
And then people started coming in and he was like, yes. And I said, in the name of Jesus, I just thank you that you receive the same love that met me here, right here at Wingstop. And I thank you that he has a plan and confidence because God loves you. I grabbed my chicken wings and I left. It was the best chicken wings ever. <laughs> All right. Uh, so I'm, I'm so sorry I took your time. Please forgive me. Um, I just really wanted you to show you what it looks like to reach into a higher capacity. And it's your ability to love your neighbor even when you don't want to. But the high capacity works like this. God, I don't want to waste this moment here. I know there's a purpose and a plan and you live inside of me. All of Colossians 1 is inside of me, your fullness. There's a mystery that the angels can never know and I get to be a partaker. So what do you want to do in this moment? I want you to smile (laughs) to this person. Really good, right? All right, close your eyes for me. I'm just going to pray for you. Uh, we're also going to have the, the prayer team up here and uh, any staff that feels led is going to be up here. And uh, there's something important about you getting your golden ticket from God. You saying, I'm, I'm, I'm tired of this, of rowing my boat out in the sea. I'm tired of shame being bigger than God. I'm tired of fear being bigger than God. I'm tired of perversion being bigger than God. I'm tired of me thinking that I'm a failure. I want to exchange this thought for a higher thought, which is you, God. So we're going to have people up here who are going to lead you through that. But right now, Father God, I just thank you that we just get an opportunity to know you more. I thank you that your presence is here. And you start to speak to their hearts right now, Father God, telling them how you're pursuing them. And if you use the water, if you use the desert, if you use the plant, and if you use the fish, when Jonah was in an old covenant, what does it look like? for you to hear God's voice and his presence while he lives inside of you. So we thank you, God, for this opportunity to touch something that's bigger than myself. We love you and we thank you. And yeah, God, I thank you. No Jonah moments in the name of Jesus. Yeah, and we thank you for your presence constantly following us. In Jesus' name, amen.